Well, we're back, baby! <laughs> it's been about eight months, but uh, we're back. In case you're wondering where we've been, we haven't been anywhere. We've been farming. That's right. Been farming. farming and drum crushing. Exactly. Been very busy people, obviously too busy, but um, yeah, we're back now. Looking forward to having a chat with our guests tonight. Uh, you've been keeping yourself busy over the last few months, I suppose, Parks? We've been off to a fly this year with the... Uh, Seeding all went in nice, and um, we got pretty good germination this year, so everyone's pretty happy around this area. Not everybody. There's a couple of paddocks over my way getting re-sown today and yesterday. Oh? Yes, I don't know why. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, I think most people are happy. Drive yeah. around the countryside, things look pretty nice, pretty yep. pretty even. So, uh, no, that's... And, yeah, plenty of moisture in the ground at the moment. Yes, yes. No, there's a fair profile at the moment. Without, well, I, I used Postal Digger to check the soil profile when I was fencing, and there's plenty there. Shout out to our East Coast friends. Plenty of moisture over there as we speak. Well, they should have a substantial amount of subsoil <laughs> moisture there by now, I would have thought. But, uh, Pretty easy to dig a hole on the East Coast at the moment, I would have thought. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. And tonight we have got Matthew Greenslade from Riverton. Matthew Greenslade is a poultry and pig farmer. Interesting combination. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so good day, Matthew. Yeah, well, it's, I must say it's great to be here, and uh, I'm not quite sure. The first in about eight months, where you save the best till sort of last. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the bottom of the list, one of the two. Yeah. We've been keeping our listeners hungry, and good. we've brought them back with a bang. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> you better watch out. The last time I was in front of a microphone this big, it was about three o'clock in the morning and I was seeing karaoke, so you better watch out later on. Uh, well, if this goes well, that can be the encore. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we can track up a, uh, pick up a backing track here somewhere for you. I'm sure we can. You probably run crack out a bit of Bohemian Rhapsody or something. Well, you probably never get another listener again. But anyway, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Yeah. No, well, thanks for coming no, along. That's good. Yeah, Matthew. Cool. Yeah, really look forward to having a chat with you. No You've lived over the hill your whole life. Uh, yeah, you never, never met. met. <laughs> it's, funny. it's a funny world, isn't it? Uh, it is. Uh, so you're from Riverton mm-hmm. and uh, you're married, kids? Yes, yes. So married to Kath. Uh, actually, we got engaged 30 years ago on Monday on American Independence Day. So. Oh. Always good to have a date that you can remember to, to correlate with things in your life. Fantastic so, forward planning. It is, well isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the day that America gained their independence, I guess you could say that... Oh, yeah. you lost, you lost, you lost, lost yours. <laughs> 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 uh, no, so I've got three kids. Uh, Braden's 24, Jasmine's 22, and Daniel is 19. Just about got them all off your hands. Yeah, no, they're, oh, they're pretty good. They, they still spend a fair bit of time at home, but, uh, but no, they're all pretty independent. Yeah, yeah, pretty good kids. Um, and Kath, Kath was a teacher, and that, that's actually, well, we actually met because she came to teach at Riverton. And uh, quite a funny story. She's a, she's a city girl, like she's from Grange, and basically grew up on the beach and, and playing netball and that in town. And she went to teacher's college, and John Halbert was one of her lecturers. And a lot of people would have heard of John Halbert. He was a famous footballer, famous footballer absolutely. John the Baptist. And a coach, yes. And uh, he told all these young girls at teacher's college that they'd all go out to the country and do a bit of service, and half of them would get married in the country and never came back. <laughs> and all these girls with their 80s terms and their you know, <laughs> tight leather, leather, leather yeah. pants all thought, no, there's no way, there's no way that they were going to not come yeah. back to the city. But yep. that's what happened. So sure enough. All, yep. all good things happen for a reason. We yep. do have a pretty good out here. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's a lovely place to visit Adelaide, but... 
first view you get on, it's on the way out of town. <laughs> it's pretty good that new ride you can get out of Adelaide much quicker now. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dear. So, yeah, so Kath came to Riverton. She's taught at Pinaroo for a year, came to Riverton in 1990, and uh, and that's where we met. And um, and we actually met, well, we, we met in the pub, funnily enough, and, uh, geez, that was a memorable night. Uh, Oh, it was great to meet Kath, but it was also the night that I broke the yard glass at the Riverton pub because we'd lost a, a, a cricket grand final and the publican would always buy us a yard if we won. But we lost, but we, we actually, he bought us a yard anyway because uh, because we made the grand final. And old Didham's over here managed to break the yard glass. So, so we, weren't, we weren't angry, were we? I can't try and think that. I think I actually just <laughs> dropped it, to be quite honest. I think it was a bit slippery. And if you drink a yard, you get to the end and you have to you have to turn it so that the bowl, the ball does, doesn't all come out in one bit. Yeah, and okay. uh, I think I turned a little bit too far and, and down she went. So, But about that time... This young little blonde thing walked into the pub and it was happy days. So, <laughs> I love it who's this I vandal breaking thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually ended up back at Cass. Well, another mate of mine said, Come on. Well, Sue Molyneux, who, who parks Nino pretty well, was with Cass and uh, she said, Right, we're going to have a party at Cass Place. So, so the cricket team decided to go back and. Uh, during the night, well, it was a little bit hard because I actually had my girlfriend with me at the time who, who actually <laughs> oh, so you're not a juggler as well. <laughs> <laughs> so she stayed in the car and uh, all us cricketers went in about halfway through the night. The phone rings and it was um, Cass' mum and Davis, Gary Davis, a young local legend from, from Riverton Arts of the phone. And he said, hmm. And she said, oh, is Cass Doyle there? And he said, is there a Cass Doyle who lives in this house? So... Kath had made it to Riverton, she'd met the cricket team, and her mum was absolutely mortified. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. Is history. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, dear, but it's quite interesting because Kath actually, she left Riverton and went to teach in Cooper Pedy for three years to get a, to get a permanent job. And, um, and so it's 840 k's up to Cooper Pedy. It's a, from Adelaide and about seven... 70 or something from from here and uh, so we made the trip a few times up there and parks actually remember that trip that we made up for the uh, easter opal festival that Co time the cooperpedia opal festival yes the cooperpedia opal festival now <coughs> oh it's great to go and see cat you know that's that's, oh, yeah. that's why we went up and mm -hmm. i took parks and a carload of people up you know just purely to you know catch up and yep. but man we got up there and, and they had this opal festival and they had a semi-trailer driving down the main street throwing out can, full cans of VB beer. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was VB, but it was free. It was free, <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. So we were taking, trying to take speckies up little kids' backs to try and get these cans yeah, of beer. Absolutely. All we did at Owen Parade was lollies, but Cooper Yeah, Peter, Cooper Peter, they've got the shit beer. sorted very nicely. <laughs> Apart from it being VB, but um, oh, yeah, when it's free. It was free. it's probably quite warm up there. But... Who cared? Yeah. yeah. So, and as I said, we are all for responsible serving of alcohol. But, but. I'm not sure about throwing it off the side of a truck as responsible serving alcohol. I think that's alcohol. before the rules came in. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think there was any drink wise labels on They're DB loosely back referred to as the good old days. I think they are. So, <laughs> uh, dear. But it was a great weekend, and, uh, and I still remember, I don't know if you remember, the night had basically come to an end, and we were all fairly, you know, salubrious, I guess you could say. Uh -huh. And uh, Lars, a local Norwegian dentist, had been out kangaroo shooting and uh, <laughs> he just turned up with his ute and, uh, and we were standing near the ute and he said he'd give us a ride. So we just rolled into the back and next minute we were cuddling up to Skibby. Well, Skibby oh. wasn't actually breathing. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> so just go back his title again. Uh, he was Lars. Lars, a Norwegian dentist. Yeah, lots of different slash rabbit shooter. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a resume. Yeah, I remember he took us to the local nightclub parks. Right. Which one, the Greek one or the... No, the, we actually went to the local nightclub, which was above the mobile service station, and uh, it was called the Red Sands, I think they called it. And uh, I still remember we were in there just having a few drinks, and this bloke, I didn't actually know him, but he just came strolling over and he said, mate, mate, is there any grass in Cooper Pedy? <laughs> and I said... I'm a bit naive at that stage. I said, I said, hey, mate, we're in the middle of a desert. There's no grass here. Yeah. <laughs> he I looked at me, shook his head, and yeah, off he went. Yeah, so, yeah, nah, yeah. Good, good times, really good times. Yeah, yeah. He knew you didn't understand, and uh, yeah, off that to the next uh, so suspicious-looking person to buy his grass from. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, farming at R- Riverton, is that where you yeah, are? Riverton, Riverton yeah. Ryanee. Yes, yeah. on the other side of Riverton, actually, on the Marable side of Riverton. Oh, so, you're out that way. Yeah, okay. on the east side. Um, some would say it's a good side, but yeah, yeah. on the east side. Yep. Yeah, look, we've got, um, we do free-range meat birds. Um, we buy them in when they're we're four weeks old, and then we finish them off, yep. and then we market them all ourselves. So we do about 3,500 a week of those. Oh, that's true. And, uh, we, and we've got a 300-sour piggery as well. Yeah, so, just complicate things yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, a lot so of people ask about the mix between pigs and chickens. Um, look, if you're starting again, I think they taste beautiful mixed together. <laughs> and a lovely chicken mignon. Oh, beautiful. Can't beat it. What more could you want? Yeah. Not much. Yes. Uh, dear. But uh, look, as long as you don't mix things up, it, it's fine. We've always had the two. And, um, and yeah, and that's just how the business has rolled along. Well, you say always had the two. How long have you been there for or your ancestors before you? Tell us a little bit about the history of the of the farm. Sure, yeah. Dad, uh, my dad's father came over from, from Maitland in the 1930s, so I'm a third generation on the farm at home. Uh, Dad, uh, it was basically, it was a dairy farm, actually. Like, um, it was the Ettrick Frisian stud. And, uh, and my dad was actually a very good um, cow man, but just sort of... It's not really a daring area, you know. Back in the day, you know, a lot of people had cows and yeah. and lots of different things. And uh, uh, but Dad, he really loved the cows, and uh, they actually had the local milk run. So do you remember when we were at school, you used to get your milk? You might be a bit younger than us. Yeah, but we had milk. Yeah, yeah, you used to get yeah, milk no, a cup of milk at like recess time recess or something time. like that. Yeah, no, that was still happening Blue, when Blue I was there. Milk. It wasn't cold. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and uh, I think it was a government initiative to try and get. Get, get kids healthy, you see. and uh, But, yeah, we had the local milk run through through the Gilbert Valley. Uh, but then Dad decided to give away the, the cows and uh, we'd always had pigs. So for, for a period of time, he was a, you know, just a normal mixed farmer, wheat, sheep, and uh, with the pigs as well. Yep. And then um, in, the, in the 1970s, you know, agriculture was fairly tough and Dad decided that he'd buy a few few meat birds. We had, he had been growing some starter pullets for a hatchery in Adelaide. And they closed down. He had a tank full of gas and thought he'd buy some meat birds and didn't know where he was going to sell them. So I started off with a batch of 500. And then we grew that so that we were doing three or four batches a year, just selling privately, you Mm -hmm. know, straight to the consumer of about seven or 8,000 birds a time. Um, Then the early 90s, where we were getting processed, which is a place called Kapawi Poultry, which is just north of Kapunda, um, he approached us about growing full time for him. So we put up another couple of sheds and uh, and started growing <coughs> chooks on a weekly basis, just selling them on a live weight basis to to Kapowie, and we were still doing our own private stuff. Yeah. 
then 1998 he decided he didn't want to do that anymore so we either took over the distribution and everything or we um, sort of gave it away yeah, so shit yeah so since 1998 we've been doing the whole lot so we okay. do the growing the the uh, marketing the selling uh, we still kill them at Kapowi and uh, we pay him to kill the chooks and then I have a team of boners who come in yep. and do our boning and uh, oh wow it's uh, it's been a really good business, but it is hard work. It's yeah, uh, yep. still got all your fingers, yeah, so you don't get two hands on in the. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't do any of the killing, so no. and uh, I don't do a lot of the boning either. But uh, I've got I've got ladies that we've taught how to do it, and and they're happy to get a bit of part time work and just come in for a couple of days a week. Yep. Um, and then I spend my, my every Monday and Tuesday over there in the call room sorting out the orders, getting everything organised, and. Uh, and we sell them throughout South Australia. We send stuff to Darwin every week, and we send a bit, of, and we send a pallet to Melbourne every week as well. We better give the local uh, resellers a, a plug. Where can we buy some of your? Uh well, they, they should actually stock a bit of our stuff, shouldn't they? So, oh, uh, yeah, they should. <laughs> actually buy it direct, can Yeah, we? you can buy it direct. Can buy so direct? Okay. Yes, no, we still sell a lot of stuff direct. And uh, What's the website we need to track you down through? Just look up Green Slate Chickens. Yeah. Yep, yep. And, uh, um, and that's how we started off, so we, we will always, you know, honour the, the way we started. And, uh, and we sell a lot to... Um, uh, in an Adelaide central market, the stalls in, a, in the market, and then we've got to run through Adelaide, where a lot of butchers will they'll use conventional chicken for their for their mass stuff, but they like to have a different line, and as it's just a you know different free range line that they can sell as well. Yep, yep. But mm. the locals wait. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> there's not many butcher shops left. Yeah, no. we we used to supply True. Riverton, we yeah. used to supply Saddleworth, yep. we used to supply Capunda. There's not even a butcher shop in Capunda now. Oh, we wow, used to supply okay. Yudunda. All those butcher shops have closed. Wow, which is a bit of that sign of the times. Mm. Um, you know, supermarkets sort of take over a bit, and uh, yep. um, yeah, the little butchers. Uh, if you're going to have a butcher shop, you have to have a really what I've found. You have to have a really good display. Be prepared to do something a bit different and have great customer service. Yeah. Yeah, yep. So yeah, a lot of mouths to feed there. You're not you broad acre farming as well and growing your own grain for feed uh, and processing well, itself or Yeah, we have we have got a farm. We've got about seven hundred acres, but we actually lease that out and we just concentrate on the yep. on the on the pigs and the poultry. Yeah. Um so and the same guys have been doing it for a long time. We've share farm for a while and then now yep. we lease it out. Yep. Just it's just one less thing to worry about to be quite honest. Yep. So the yeah. big feed truck comes in once or twice a week and just pumps it full of silos and um yep, job's done. That's yeah, he, he was actually driving in as I was driving out tonight. I've been yeah. waiting for him to come all day actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we do a lot with Lauke's feeds. Yeah. Like Lauke mills. Yep. And uh, um, yeah, we use probably about forty tonne of feed a week. Yeah. Okay. Um, and as feed goes up and up and up, mm. and, and you can imagine, you know, feed prices go up 200 bucks a tonne, that's sort of 8,000 bucks a week that yeah. you, 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 you know, your feed price goes up. It's uh, yep. interesting times. Mm. Certainly. Um, you went to school at Riverton Primary and where... Yeah, Riverton Primary, school? went to Riverton High School, um, matriculated from Riverton High School, so, so that's, well, that's as far as I went uh, school-wise. It's an interesting thing, I reckon, in South Australia, especially in Adelaide, if you go around, there's a bit of an obsession. People like to know where you went to school. They do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, real, there's a real private school sort of lilt out there that you know, the, the private school guys love to know if you've been to a private school. Yeah. So, so please tell me you went there, Bray. No, I I'm not no, as, no. I'm so not as good as Parks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to tell people I went to, I went to, if they say I went to Pembroke or I went to PAC or yep. RDHS, yep. 
And then some people say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Riverton District High School. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah. So, uh, Obviously turned out all right for you. Yeah, look, um, look, probably now you'd probably do it a little bit differently. Now uh, yeah, you'd probably go off and get a bit more, a uh, bit, of, bit of further education, whether it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Um, yeah, I had, I had some good teachers at school. I, I still remember my biology teacher, uh, Mark Johnston was his name, Jono, we called him. And um, Disrespectful little twerps. Well, we were. <laughs> well, he, he was actually right into athletics. He was a state discus sort of champion and that. And he, okay. We used to do athletics after school. We used to have a, have a great time. But, uh, but he, he loved scotch finger biscuits. And um, he'd, always, <laughs> he'd always have a packet of scotch finger dis- biscuits on his desk. And one day I was just in there, I was on my own, just finishing off a project, I think. A couple of my mates came in and they thought we'd been, for years we'd been looking at these Scotch finger biscuits. So that, they decided to have a couple, yep. which was sac- sacrilege. And then we had all the animals in the, in the science lab as well. And so they actually got a couple of mice out put them in the packet of Scotch Finger Biscuits. Next minute, the packet was running up and, up and down along the dish. And poor old Mrs. Callery, our, our, our lab assistant, came in, who was like a mother to us all. She absolutely screamed. We just put the mice back. Next lesson, he came in and finished off the biscuits. So oh, <laughs> the memory of Jono. But he always liked me. I was the first student he had who got over 90 in biology. So, so <laughs> mutual respect. I yeah, think. yeah, you've just done your dash if you listen to this tonight, though. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. Uh, all good fun, yeah. Mm. We were... Um, I, I was in Rural Youth, you were in Rural Youth, it was a, an organisation that that, uh, that closed down in the 90s. Mm, yep. Um, you were state president? Yeah, well, that was in 1992 as well, actually, yes, yeah. Um, look, and we had, we had some great times, didn't we, in yeah. Rural Youth, we really did, and uh, what I liked about it was, and I love playing sport, you know, I play sport every weekend, involved in the sporting clubs, but, but like doing a few other things as well, so... For me, rural youth was a chance to, you know, do some public speaking, do some acting. Yeah, you know, we used to do skits and that. We have yeah. have rallies. You'd have different competitions. We'd do some debating. I think we actually won the state debating one year, didn't we, Parks? Yeah, yeah. and just just a chance to do. It's a bit of a love fest between us two. Oh, look, I don't know you, so I'm going to give you credit that you're probably a very clever man and could win a debate. Oh, no, Parks. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, if you stay here long enough, we'll tell you how good we are. Yep. And uh, but just set the opportunity to do a few different things, travel around the state, meet lots of people. Yeah, I still remember going down to the Mandala pub opening down in Mandala when that when that reopened and, and the Royal Youth Mob were involved down there. And, uh, and I really got a lot out of it. You, know, um, you went I, to UK... Absolutely, yes. And uh, one of the other alumni that you had through, like Wayne Heaslip, yeah. he actually he, he went a few years after I did. And uh, it was brilliant, it really was. You know, I spent six months over there just travelling, as Wayne did, from place to place, yeah. working on, on different farms and uh, just uh, generally getting entertained. They love their pubs over there. So mm. we'd be down having a few pints most nights of the week. And uh, there's still a few ladies in, in England who are convinced that I'm Jason Donovan's brother. Because oh, I thought you were going to say convinced that you're their kid's father. <laughs> no. no, no. Oh, well, I could say what happens in England stays in yeah. England. But, but no, it was a great... Neighbours was huge when I was over there and uh, and they were, they were absolutely obsessed with it. So if you'd mentioned Jason Donovan, 
you know, it was a great way to meet girls. <laughs> it really was. Uh, but it was a great learning experience. And um, we went over to the continent for a month. And uh, the, the exchangees, we um, hired a minibus and, and went over there. And there were, there were four American girls on exchange. And there was, um, I think, three Australians and two New Zealanders who went as well, all in, in this bus. And we thought, well, the Americans can drive because they're used to driving on the right-hand side of the road. But none of them had their licence. So it was actually oh. myself and another guy did most of the driving. Yeah, okay. And that was a great experience driving around, around Europe. Went down the, the wrong way down a couple of uh, roads at yep. some stage. Did it in Paris, had to reverse all the way back. <laughs> you, were, this, you were in charge of filling the, the uh, bus with diesel, weren't you? Well, I wasn't actually driving that night, but we went to we – we were in Munich. Now, if you're in Munich – you have to go to a beer hall. Let's face it, if you're in Munich, you've got to go to a beer hall. Yep. So about 12 steins later, we decided to go. And, of course, we needed some diesel for the for the for for our bus. So so we got the petrol station. I said, I've got this covered. Got out, got out, filled it up, filled it up with petrol. Whoops. So, easy. Mm, very sad. Did you realise before you turned it on? Well, actually, we just got a little bit down the road. So we stopped and we thought, what are we going to do here? And... Uh, um, we actually somehow rang their equivalent of the RAA, or we found a mechanic somewhere, yep. and he he turned up. But we'd actually got underneath, and, and we drained we drained the tank. We'd actually found the fuel line and taken it off, and just let it run down the street. Yeah, and, <laughs> and he turns up. This bloke turns up. Couldn't speak English. He was having a durry at the time. <laughs> Don't put it out over there. And we're trying to tell him what's happened. Next minute, he flicks it off. Oh. Anyway, cut a long story short, we went and got a jerry can, refilled it. It knocked all the way around Europe, yeah. but it got us back to yeah. England. So <laughs> <laughs> these things can happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, so what age is everybody when they're doing this rural youth back in the day? Back in the day. Pretty much from uh, 18 to 26. And would it survive today? Would it stand up? No. Look, I think mm. what actually happened, when it first started back in the 50s, it had a lot of government support. They, they had a, a project officer who was just pretty much um, helping rural youth clubs run. Yeah. And when it actually started, it was, a, it was a bit of an agricultural learning thing as well. And there weren't TAFE courses or, you know, not many people went off to uni and, uh, uh, in those days. And so it was a bit of a learning tool and a meeting tool. And it probably lost its way a little bit because as education became more advanced and people could go off and, and you know, learn in other ways, mm. it probably lost the ability to be able to, to drag in the farmers. And then um, it became, uh, and it was still a great social thing, but probably lost its way. The government support just dissolved as government support for everything has dissolved over the last 30 yeah, odd years. Yeah, there is a fair bit of, there is cash around these days for everybody's talking about mental health and mm. the, you know, farmers, uh, rural people are so isolated from each other now. We don't have the employees that we used to have. Um, so it is hard to actually socialise. Pubs are pricing themselves out of a business. Um, well, thanks to the government, I guess. Mm. Whether maybe there is an opportunity for some entrepreneurial little person to pop up and maybe try and get something going like that again. They're still on farm training, isn't there? So you could cotton dovetail into something like that, perhaps. Don't know. If mm. anybody listening, they might uh, see an opportunity well, there, they, perhaps. They had support from the Department of Ag as well, yes. which is not, is not hasn't got the staff that used to have. Mm. But, um, yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. I, I was really sorry to see it go, but... Uh, um, it was after we'd left, and yeah, there was just uh, it just sort of faded away. Just tape it out. And it did, yeah, yeah. 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 No. Um, but there's still a lot of people our age and 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 older who have got great friends through it and uh, and had a 
had a bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Wives yeah. threw it too, I think. It was a bit of a... Maybe that's what it's... They didn't have online dating back then, so they had to go to real youth. Yeah, perhaps it's just too easy to swipe right these days. Yeah, that's, maybe yeah. so. There's not so many chicks walking into bars looking at hot blokes dropping yard glasses on the floor and falling in love instantly, I guess. It just doesn't happen like that anymore, does it? No, nah, Yard glasses are probably made of plastic. Well, they are. Everything else is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't, uh, don't knock plastic. It's good stuff. You, you know a lot of people throughout the state, obviously, and um, so you, you got any people in agriculture that you particularly admire? Uh, probably my biggest mentor myself was my dad. Like, um, uh, we, I know people find this hard to believe, but we never actually argued, you know, all the time we were working together on the farm. And uh, we had a great relationship, really. Uh, so so that that's, he's probably been the biggest, probably the influence in, in my my farming life. Um, so, but yeah, there's, there's lots, you know, there's lots of good people out there. I, I'd suggest to people... Um, look at someone who does what they do well and, and try and emulate it as, as best you can. That's mm. a good way to learn and uh, watch, what the, watch what the good people do and, uh, and try and do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you being in two different industries under the one roof, I guess you get an opportunity to talk to a lot of people from different uh, sides of the fence, I guess, almost. You know, you've got the chook side of the fence and the pig side of the fence. Um, yeah, you'd be uh, doing quite a bit of networking in your job that would Filling quite a bit of your time, I'd imagine. It's quite interesting on the chook game uh, because it's the chook industry is so integrated. You know, you've got your major players. You've got Ingham's and Bayarda, which is Steggles, um, which control you know probably no, over ninety percent of the chooks in South Australia. That uh, they tend to keep to themselves pretty much. Yeah, okay. um, yeah I, I know all the guys, and they're pretty good. You know, if we want to know something, we can talk to them but you haven't got the wide spectre of people which you have in in the pig game but in saying that there's a lot less piggeries now than what there was yeah. 30 years ago yeah good point um everybody used to have a piggery once mm. upon a time every farm had some pigs had some and I both come over from school decide that's how we're going to make our fortune yeah that's yeah. right yeah i was wrong then and i'm wrong now with what i'm doing too probably <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you made your fortune by getting out of them i think so but what tends to happen each time there's a wave and things aren't great with the pigs at the moment because our, our prices haven't gone up and, and obviously our feed prices are so so high. It must be frustrating because like mm. pork's cheaper than beef. and mm, It is. And I think, Did why? Pork. It's always annoyed me that pork is... Price below beef. Pork beef. did go up. Well, it must be twelve months ago now, I suppose. Uh, I guess uh, we had a good run a couple of years ago. Couple yes, of years was it? Yeah. 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 Then COVID hit, and uh, they they a lot of our local pork goes for the food service industry, and then once the food service industry got hit with COVID, oh. that was a good excuse for the for the price to go down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, imports have an effect, but imports are always going to be here. We we can't do anything about that. Yeah. And um, but there's always there will always be a market for fresh pork. And that's if anything that's fresh or on the bone is guaranteed Australian. Yep. And um, so that's it's really important if, if you go out to the butcher shop, try and buy Australian as much as you can. If you buy ham, try and buy ham on the bone, yep. and you'll definitely know it's Australian. Yep. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, each time we have a wave, something doesn't quite go right with the pigs, another wave of people go out of pigs, and it could be older farmers who, who haven't got anyone coming on or, yep. or people who... I guess you guys had smaller piggeries. Now, they, they were mm. the first to go. Yeah. They were. And yeah, we, uh, were we were 10% of what you are. You said 300, Sam? Yeah, 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 we were yeah. 30. We were, about, we were yeah. only about 15, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, all that size has been, well, still the odd one around, but it pretty much mm. gone for at least 20 odd years. And, and now we are a small piggery at, at 300. Mm. That's just how, how it sort of works. Um, there's a lot of uh, corporate money. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of 
corporate farms. You know, yep. some pork are, are very big in South Australia, yep. and they're a corporate farm. But the family farm will always beat a big player efficiency-wise because of the time and effort. And yeah, you know, if we if we've got sows farrowing, I will go down at ten o'clock at night. That's right. And check. Yeah. It's yeah. the attention to detail. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So we're always going to have that advantage over the big players. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Because it needs to be shared around. Absolutely. This monopoly bullshit isn't mm. working for anybody. Play a bit of sport there. Oh, I love sport. Yeah. Yeah. yeah are you sport. any good at? Ah, oh, not particularly. <laughs> Funny because my dad, my dad was. A great lawn bowler. Yeah, he, he was good at all sport, but he was a really good bowler. Yep. He played, when he retired, he'd played the most number of games for South Australia. And uh, um, and then my son got, How many games was that? He, he played 230. Okay. Yeah. So he, he started in 1972. He got dropped for a couple of years and then came back in in 74. And then he played basically every series until 1991, till he retired. Yeah, okay. And uh, oh, he's been passed now. There's guys who've played. They do play a bit more state bowls now, so... Yep. Guys have gone past him, but uh, but even um, yeah, just he was really well known the, on the bowling green, and that uh, was a good bowler, just as a, a good, bloke good bloke as well. Yeah, and of course, my son made the state under eighteen side. Oh wow! A couple of years ago, so all my mates are very kind to tell me that you know it always skips a generation. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> the talent always skips a generation. <laughs> and and of course, Kath, I started playing bowls, and Kath came out and watched, and I think she thought, "Geez, that looks pretty easy." So uh, she took it up a few years ago, and she's a very good bowler too. She plays for the state as well. So, oh. um, so <laughs> but uh, so, so it took her a long time before she could beat me. So, yeah. so that's one good thing. But she can beat you now. Yeah, well, actually, I'll tell you a funny story. We were playing. We, we made a mistake. We went in on our wedding anniversary one night. We thought we'd just have a bit of a roll-up and then we'd go out for dinner. And uh, So romantic. I'm just blown away how romantic you are. Well, I should have been a bit smarter, to be quite honest, because <laughs> because we had started. She said she wanted to have a game. She'd never actually beaten me at this stage, so we had a game. And it, it was a cracking game. It was really good. Anyway, it was 20-all, and she was holding mm. shot. And uh, with my last bowl, I drew a flat touch at a beater. So, I might have won the battle. <laughs> I don't know what you what would just put me pocket. But I can guarantee, I can guarantee you, I lost the war. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just read between the lines, everybody. <laughs> Sometimes discretion to, to, should take the better part of valor. Really yeah, should. exactly right. Wasn't any wedding night reenactment. <laughs> yeah, no. Hopefully, you got a very nice meal after that, and that's probably the way the enjoyment would have finished for that evening. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of baked beans and cold shoulder, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, uh, you like, I know you like music. In fact, you were on the uh, ABC the other day talking about um, my life in music, or what would they call it? It's uh, called Tracks of Your Life. Tracks it's, of uh, Your Life. Yeah. So yeah. you've got a favourite band, obviously, and... Um, what do the ABC call you for an opinion every now and then? Or uh, <laughs> well, they do actually. So. <laughs> uh, now, local, um, yeah, the local ABC. They've got a new bloke up there now doing the breakfast show. He's doing a really good job. He has a uh, every Monday does a thing called Tracks of Your Life, and you pick out three songs that sort of mean something to you during your life, and then you just talk about your life. So, yep. and I guess most people like talking about themselves, and it comes over pretty well. So. Well, what's the three? Uh, well, I, I chose father and son because I talked about coming home and working Cat on the farm. Yeah. yeah, working with dad. Um, I chose uh, Piano Man, good old Billy yeah, Joel. Yeah. And that's because when uh, my son, well, Braden was born in 1998 and uh, at Calvary Hospital. 
and and he was one day old and Billy Joel and Elton John were doing a tour around Australia and they were playing at Adelaide Oval so we sat out on the balcony. Oh, beautiful. Sat out on the balcony looking at this little baby wondering <laughs> how the hell we were going to bring it up <laughs> and listening to Elton John and Billy Joel. Yeah. And, and then I chose Flame Trees because you have to pick Flame Trees. Yeah, Let's no, face it's, it. It is yeah. a pretty good song, isn't it? It's yeah. a great song. Don yeah. Walker, great lyrics. So, um, yeah, so Cold Chisel. Cold Chisel's up there, obviously. Um, pretty solid three. Pretty yeah, solid yeah. three. Yep. Yeah. He, I think the bloke thought, he said, oh, they're very um, classic 80s sort of soft rock, aren't they? And I said, well... I think I peaked in the 80s. It's been down yeah, here ever since. Exactly so. right. <laughs> and he, he agreed, so he accepted that. So yep. He's yep. probably right. Yeah. Ah, oh, dear. Matthew does the uh, Bowles report on 639, so that's probably why they're contacting uh, Yeah. No, okay. I do that. have a celebrity on the wireless. Yeah, yep. So what's that, what time on a Saturday morning, Zach? Usually between 8.30 and 9, um, yep. every couple of weeks during the, uh, during the summer. Yep. Ian Chuck Harslett, who does the Saturday morning breakfast show. Does a great job, Chuck. He does he do a good job. He is actually very entertaining. I've never cottoned on, though, that, uh, yeah. No, you probably know him through your here. drum mustering, I suppose, wouldn't you? No, I no. haven't come across him yet. He, yeah. uh, he perhaps he needs to do a little bit better job with his recycling, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> no, he's, a, he's an agronomist. He's got uh, Gladstone, oh, uh, okay. a store in Gladstone. So yep. he probably just sells the stuff and yeah, then yep. you go Doesn't around really and pick care it up. after that. Yeah. Ah, that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, nah, it's all good fun and... Uh, I coached footy for a long time. I love love coaching footy. It was fantastic. Riveton? Uh, yeah, RSMU. Yep. Yep. And we did did the sub minis, minis, and did the junior cults for nine years. Oh, wow. So should have done one more year. Would have got long service. Yeah. <laughs> but we had a classic grand final. Uh, probably the most memorable. Never, never actually won a grand final, which was a bit unfortunate, but made a couple of grand finals. And still remember 2012, we, we, we'd started off pretty slowly during the year, and then we changed the team around, and... And we came flying home. We beat uh, BSR in the second semi-final, who had flogged us by 100 points during the year. Oh, wow. Made the grand final. Played them again in the grand final. Probably the best game of junior footy I've ever seen, actually. The ball was flying up and down either end of the yep. ground. Yep. Um, we were one point down. That ball came to a full forward. Our, our full forward had been great when we put him there during the year. Took a mark on the edge of the square. Siren went. Yeah, if he kicks a goal... We win the grand final, yep. and the poor kid, he just sort of froze, pat, up. froze up and kicked a point, so we yeah. played extra time. Oh, five, right. Five oh. minutes each way. Ball was throwing up, flying back. We're in front, they're in front. We're in front, they're in front. It was probably about 30 seconds to go. We were three points down, and the full 40 took a mark in exactly the same mm. spot. Went back. If he kicks a goal, we win. He hooks it. Kicks oh. it for a point. They kick it in. The siren goes, and we lose by two, two points. points. So that was Shit. a... It was heartbreaking, and I will I will get over it one day. <laughs> I promise my wife I will get over and it one so day. So will the full forward once he stops hearing these stories on radios and broadcasts. I'm not sure he is getting over it. Uh, oh, you know who it is? Oh, no, yeah. No, no, I, I won't mention his name, but, yeah. but I know I remember saying afterwards, this poor kid, he might win a Nobel Prize. He might become Prime Minister of Australia. He might win an Olympic gold medal. But all anyone will ever remember at Riverton is that he could have won the Junior Cops Grand Final. So, no, nah, nah, it's great fun catching the kids. And you build up a great rapport. And, uh, no, nah, I had, had a hoover time doing it. And uh, yep. getting a bit older now. Now I'm, I'm the team manager of the C2 netball team, which my daughter plays in. So, that, well done. Uh, good Still stuff. involved. Good. Yeah, that's nah, all good fun. Yeah. Mm. What about the, the Crutches Ball? There's another significant 80s. It was, yep, yep. No, the days of the old BNS balls, you know, and started on the committee. 
Yeah, that's an interesting story because it started in 1985 and wasn't actually on the committee the first year and went along and I, I thought, you know, it's just the best thing you could ever do. You pay so much, you can drink responsibly, responsibly <laughs> and there's lots of girls there. So, And uh, the next year I got asked to be on the committee. I thought, whoa, I reckon I've made it in Riverton. But then I realised afterwards, because there was a bunch of rat bags on the committee, they wanted to get the chairs from the from the high school for the recovery. Oh. And uh, there's probably only one person <laughs> who, who could go and ask. Who could go and ask for the chairs? So anyway, but once I was on the committee, you're pretty much on there for life. And uh, like a lot of things, we had a fantastic time. It went really well. We raised a lot of money. We raised heaps of money. Gave it all away. Yep. And uh, but. That ran its course as well, and I think by about 1992, 93, she was all over. But it was great fun. We used to have <coughs> terrific meetings, really workmanlike meetings at the Rhiney Pub, and uh, <laughs> where the most important thing was to think up the slogan for the T-shirt. So, yeah, extremely important. And uh, uh, But they were great. They were just great fun. And yeah. uh, um, Have they made a comeback, BNS Bulls, or did they never actually completely go away? I've just heard a few rumblings lately of some BNS Bulls being held. Rodeos, maybe they're taking their place a bit. Yeah, I've heard a couple of BNS balls. Yeah, I heard a mention on the radio um, not that long ago. So no, no, I'm talking last few years, yeah. definitely. I think they're simmering along, I think. Because, of course, the Droopers ball at Roseworthy was, was huge for a long time. Oh, that was... <laughs> that was a scary one. That one, that was yeah, that was next level. The Droopers was always the next level. That's right, yes. Of yeah. all the BNS balls, for sure. Okay. See, something else I missed out on. Something get you want to go youth. to before you've been to a couple of others just to get the hang of it. Yeah, okay. That was always next level. <laughs> That's right. So the Crutchers was a good lead-in for the Droopers, let's just say that. Yeah. yeah. You'd be excited when the invitation arrived in the mail. Mm. Invitations? Yes. Oh, yeah. Invitation only. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really? That's lubrious. That's in the day when you used to post things, yeah, you know, and wait three days for them to turn yeah, up. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Back in the day, no social yeah. media back then. Thank God, absolutely. <laughs> Probably glad there wasn't social media back in the day. The very ball. happy, yeah. very happy. Well, just see what it does to guys. The footballers like Jordan Degoe. Well, oh, absolutely ridiculous. Gets taken a photo with a pretty girl, and uh, all of a sudden he's doing the wrong thing. Yep. Get over it, press. The media have just—they mm. are the stain on this planet. But don't let them, don't let them, don't let your mates get their phones out. That's what I reckon. No, exactly right. And he was yeah. sort of trying to take a top off a bit too. But anyway, that's another story Can't altogether. Can't blame him, and that's another story altogether too. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we at, Andrew? Where are we up to? Um, what's the funniest thing you've ever seen happen on your farm or on a neighbour's farm? Well, I'll tell you something funny. Now, this is a, quite a funny story. It happened over at Kapowie. And um, correctional services, which is Yatla, mm-hmm. they were up. And back in the day, they used to be allowed to grow chickens. So this is about over 20 years ago. So they were up killing their chickens. So there was a bloke loading the line at Kapowie, and one of the girls had locked the keys in the car. So she came and saw me. I said, well, bring the RAA. Yeah. So she rang the RAA, and the RAA guy comes out, and he gets out his little thing with all those little... Yeah, little... Slithery things. Or whatever you want to call them. Yep, and yeah. he's playing away, playing away, playing away. He could not... I can't remember what sort of car it was, but he could not get it open. Anyway, the boss at Kapowie looks at these prisoners and yells out, Hey, any of you blokes Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> One of them said, oh, I know a bit about cars. And without word of a lie, he jumped off the truck. He walked. There was a bit of wire on the ground. He walked over, picked that up, and within 
two seconds he had that car yeah. open, turned around, looked at us, threw the wire over his <laughs> You didn't <laughs> see <laughs> nothing. Walked back and got off the truck. The RA bloke just stood there like a stunned mother, yeah. put his head down, packed his tools up and drove off. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah, oh, yeah if only they'd use the skills for good instead of evil. Exactly. He but, could have been a great person. but He could have been a fantastic locksmith. But he was loading chooks at Kapowie. Yeah. But he did help out a damsel in distress. He did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. well, interesting circles that you mix in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just in place over there. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, in your own backyard? You know, things must have gone haywire every now and then. You've probably scuffed a little bit of paint off some equipment perhaps. What, what might be the biggest piece of paint you've ever distorted? But, well... We used to, I don't do it as much now, we still do some private private chook deliveries, but uh, Dad saw a, a, tra- a frid- refrigerator trailer advertised, and it was pretty cheap, so he thought, so I'm going to buy this, and uh, I took it off for our first journey, and I used to actually do a run up to Lee Creek, and it's a pretty big day, but I'd drop stuff at Hawker, and then go up to Lee Creek, and drop stuff up there, and then I'd sort of come back, I'd stop at the uh, phone box at Craddock, believe it or not, and uh, ring the Oruru service station they had an all night a service station that was open till nine o'clock yep. order my tea go and have a steak and then come home anyway so i was driving up to hawker i dropped done my chooks there get on the road to go to lee creek bump 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 next me i think hmm that doesn't quite sound right and i looked in my mirror and there's the, the trailer had broken at the a-frame and she was heading straight into oh, a paddock oh, <laughs> full of full of dressed chickens oh so i was extremely sad <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i had to ring someone up to come and pick me up luckily we could claim the chooks on insurance yep. and um but we ended up the, the insurance company decided to take the guy who made the trailer to court. Oh. So we had to go and testify. We had to go all the way down to Narracourt. He said, oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll make it worth your while. And we had to make two trips to Narracourt. We got a cheque for 100 bucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we did the right thing. Oh, but, oh dear. It was a bit of a disaster. But anyway, <laughs> the insurance company got their money out of the bloke, and we, we got 100 bucks. You got 100 bucks. Mm. Mm. The insurance company didn't pass on anything apart from $100. Oh, the bloke said he was happy to see us. <laughs> well, you got the money for the trailer. Though. Yeah, that's right. We got our insurance and everything. Oh, but, but plus 100 bucks for plus driving there bucks twice. To Narracourt. To help yeah. them out, huh? yeah. To go to small claims. Far, no. Yeah, no. small claims court at Narracourt, yeah. Far so, out. And we've had the, look, the usual things where I only had it happen you know, about three weeks ago. A lady who works for me, our um, transit van takes uh, AdBlue. And uh, the Ad Blue light came on, and she's put Ad Blue in it plenty of times, which is just the very small nozzle in the very mm-hmm. small hole. Yep. And she had a brain fade, and uh, and she just started putting it in the diesel tank. Yeah. So we ended up with Ad Blue in our diesel tank. Yep. So and I rang the mechanic. He said, "Don't drive it. Whatever you do, don't no. drive it." So I said to her, "Don't drive it." <laughs> and she got her husband to help her push it off away from the pump. And uh, she went up, but there was a diesel mechanic in Capanda. She went up to see him, and he wasn't there. But his workman said, oh, you'd have enough fuel in the lines. Just drive it up here. So she did. Uh-huh. Anyway, cut a long story short, they drained the tank. They cleaned it out, put a new filter in. And once we've drained that, it's all working okay. But I, I think it is a bit of a ticking time bomb at the yeah, moment. Yeah, so. I think it probably would be. Mm. Yeah, there's going to be some calcification, some Absolutely. crystals growing yeah. in there that sooner or later is going to block something up. Can imagine it being like a coronary, you know, like a heart. You can't, you know, something's going yeah. to break off. So I think that'll be going towards the end of the year. We'll let the dust settle and yep. then, then that van will be getting traded in for another one. Yeah. So, yeah. so and that's just some, 
one of those things that just happens. Oh, yeah. look, whether you're, you know, 20 years old in Europe and uh, you're putting petrol into a diesel or vice versa, um, or in Australia putting AdBlue into, uh, yeah, diesel tank. These things happen. These things do happen. They do. What's the worst piece of equipment you've ever purchased thinking it was going to be? It was probably that trailer. Yeah, but I reckon trailer would have to rate pretty highly. I reckon the best piece of equipment I've ever had is that uh, we've got a Matatu forklift and uh, it is just a brilliant machine. Yep. It's an uh, all-weather terrain one, so yeah, we yeah, use yeah. it for all our loading and unloading of the chickens. And the thing with that forklift is that it literally fell off the back of a truck. And uh, oh. now what actually happened, it was early, early 2000s, and we knew we were using a, a case tractor with forks on the front. We thought, right, we've got to get something a bit yep. better. Yep. So we were looking around and uh, Dad went down to Manitou and they said, look, we've got this new forklift, but it has been damaged. And, uh, and Dad said, what happened? He said, well, it fell off the back of a truck. And what actually happened was they were, they were bringing it back to, to their depot. It was brand new. And the guys stopped at some traffic lights and there was a, a bloke on drugs who crashed his car and the cops were coming, so he actually ran over to the truck, opened the door, pulled this bloke out, gave him a couple, jumped in the truck, and then just took off. So he was herbing around Adelaide, and he went around a corner. Oh, my God. And this Manitou forklift literally fell off fell the back off. of a truck, and it bent the mast. And uh, and the guys at, at Manitou said, we've, well, we've straightened the mast, so we, but we actually bought it a hell of a lot cheaper. And that was over 20 years ago, and it's hard to miss to be. still working so beautifully now. That is my fate. I've got another forklift now, just in case that one breaks down. But yeah. uh, I think I'll get buried with that machine. Yeah, it's, it does sound like it it's been, a blessed machine. And it literally fell off the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's a classic. Oh, here's a, a question we normally ask is about the worst job on the farm. I'd be interested. And that doesn't have to be, what's the worst job that you do these days on the farm? Uh, uh, and, yeah, I'm interested. Where, which side of the fence is this going to go? Pigs or chickens? I'll tell you a couple, actually. Um, the worst job, everyone will tell you the worst job is what I do, which is uh, stand in the call room and sort out chicken orders uh, two days a week because you're standing on a cold cement floor, it's zero degrees, it's so much lifting and so much thinking at the same time. Yeah. So, and I've tried to get people to come in and help me and teach them how to do it, but it's extremely difficult. And uh, probably a lot, a lot of Greenside chickens is is probably me. And um, so that's anyone I ask. You ask my kids, they say they don't like working in the call room. And administration side, the worst part of my job is chasing money. Yeah. Because uh, we, we've got probably 100 or so different customers and uh, yep. sometimes things start going wrong and the worst thing is you've got to ring them up and you know, yeah. ask for money, tell them they're not going to get any chicken until they get their exactly money. Right. Um, we've been stung. We've had people go broke on us yep. and as an unsecured creditor, you get nothing mm-hmm. except a letter. Yep. Um, so now we've got a process that we follow. So that is... That, that, I reckon that's the hardest that part of That is a horrible job. part of any job, ringing people mm. up and asking for, for what's absolutely owed to you months and months and months ago, but here I am feeling like an arsehole having to ring you up and ask for it. Uh, that is a horrible job. It seems strange, doesn't it? Because you know that it's yours. You know you owe it. Yeah. And, you, and they, you know that they know. Yep. But somehow, some people can make you feel extremely guilty yeah. for asking what is yeah. actually yours. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, yep. that, is, that is the worst part of the job. Yeah, yep. no, nah, I can agree with that. But I am going to change my feelings about that and just turn into a bit of a prick from now on, I think. Because, uh, well, you, you know, have to be, really. Yeah. yeah, well, they yeah. are. Mm, exactly. They're yes. withholding cash. So, yeah, who's the bigger asshole? The one who is owed it and is ringing up for it or, or the person who's sitting on it? Mm. And some mm. of us are just too nice, I think. And, and quite often, the bigger the company, the, the longer they sit on it. 
for some people it's a bit of a game and there's the odd accountant out there who tells their, their clients, oh, you just wait until you get a, a final letter yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But you've got to have a bit of integrity in business and you've got to have people want to want to actually deal with you. And yeah. I hate the idea of people looking at me and saying, oh, he's a bit of a dick. You know, yeah. he's got, yeah, he's, you know he's got plenty of money. Well, not so hard, yeah. but you know he's got plenty of money. He just doesn't want to pay it. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to be able to hold your head up high. Mm. Yeah, walk down the street with you and look people in the eye. Absolutely, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Holidays, yeah, you know, you've been a, you've been a, actually you've been a lot of places. What's your favourite holiday destination? Yeah, probably a bit hard to go past the UK. It's probably a couple. I always said when when we had kids, I said right to Kath, right when the oldest one's fourteen, we're going to go to Disneyland. Yeah, well, suddenly Braden was 14 and we had to, well, we didn't have to. We, we packed the family up and went to America and went Put to Disney. Put your money where your mouth is. Let's go. Absolutely. The kids had a, the kids had a ball. It yep. was brilliant. And uh, we just did a bit of California stuff and, and went to Hawaii on the way home. Um, but I still remember at Disneyland, I used to love playing a game with the kids like questions. I'd just think of things and they'd have to answer them. You know, so they'd say, come on, Dad, let's play questions. Let's play questions. Yeah. So it might be question, you know, I'd be talking about American presidents or yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, just general yep. knowledge. Yep. And, of course, at Disneyland, there's lots of queues. So you spend a lot of time waiting to go yeah. places. Yep. And uh, so we'd start playing questions, but then you'd end up with probably – up to 20 people standing around standing you around. all joined in That's <laughs> That's <right>. and we <laughs> did that and it got to the stage we'd go and join a queue and by the time we were just about finished Pete, the, these kids would be pointing out and say hey that bloke who asked the questions. <laughs> so we had a hoot of a time there. Q&A with Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the actual, I haven't been on holiday for a while. We're going away next week. But the last holiday actually went on, uh, Daniel, my younger son and I, went over to the first Ashes Test in 2019 in, in England. Cool. So I spent five days at the cricket, yep. which is something, and I actually sat and watched the cricket. I love cricket. and yep. sat and watched it for five days. It was a brilliant test. Yep. Steve Smith and Dave Warner were back in the team after their sandpaper uh, game. Okay. Yep. Uh, they're playing at Edgbaston, which is uh, and the Barmy Army are absolutely hilarious. Yeah. They would sing and go on and so energetic. They oh, just go all day. They do, and uh, and they'd sing a song where they'd point at us Australians, about three hundred Australians there, and just call us convicts. And you got ten thousand people yelling at you and pointing at you. <laughs> but very entertaining. It's a cricket ground. It's not a footy. We play on footy ovals, so yeah. really in close. The atmosphere is terrific. Yep. And we won the Test match with which was great and uh, and we'd met up with people and we went on our own and Dan said we won't know anyone I said it doesn't matter I said mm. you just start talking to people we'll, we'll meet people and uh, yep. we're out having dinner with these people and uh, one of the guys came and said hey the cricketers are all at the canal bar and the one, this other bloke said oh I know where that is so we went around there and I said to Daniel don't be silly just, just watch them just have a drink and uh, which we did and uh, it was a two story pub and I went upstairs and I love the English pubs and so I thought I'll just go up and, and I was just sitting at the bar having a pint about here and a bloke came and sat next to me I turned around it's Tim Payne, the Australian crew oh, captain sure. so <laughs> I love saying this story there we were two of a yeah, one of Australia's best-known sportsmen sitting yep. with the Australian cricket captain. <laughs> and he was really good. He, he spoke about you know, how nervous he was before the test and the pressures of the English press. He said, in Australia, you have a mm. press conference and that's it. Yep. But everywhere they go, they turn around, there's someone there you know, with yeah. a camera or yep. with, you know, with a notepad. 
and uh, just uh, about how he felt. He was that nervous. He was struggling to eat his breakfast and that mm-hmm. before the game and yeah. how appreciative they were of the Aussies who went over and watched them. And oh, He was fantastic. Yeah, he he yep. really was. So Ultimately, though, unfortunately, it was his own camera that brought him undone. It was. And <laughs> that's why these guys do that. I don't know. And that actually happened on the morning of his first comeback test. Yeah, it's, oh, I did it. So it trace back to then. Yeah. So yeah. that's how he was coping with the pressure then, I suppose. But... Uh, <laughs> Very sad, a very sad way to finish his career, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, and very interestingly how it played out over a few years. Mm. I mean, it happened, yes. but nothing happened. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, somebody got the shits on and wanted a new captain. So let's bring out this old story from years gone by. And, yeah, and that was it, wasn't it? Hang him out to dry. Gone. You, yeah, you're dead right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the power of the press. Yeah, yeah media. They're yeah. just horrible, horrible people. Mm. So. Except for me. Except for you. Oh, you are yeah. hardly a media oh, person. No, I'm a, I'm a journalist. Ah, good article. <laughs> good article this week too. I yeah, fantastic article. So I've heard. Oh, uh, well. What you said about Sri Lanka is so true. Yeah, and uh, and one of the challenges of farming as a whole is if we're going to have you know ten billion people in the world by the year 2050, we've got to be able to feed these people. Mm. And um, the Sri Lanka experiment where they the government said, oh, we can't afford fertilizer, so we're just going to go organic, and now they've got no. F- no food to feed anyone yep. is a classic example of you've got to get everything in balance. You know, it's it's great to have some organic farming for people who can afford it. Yep. Uh, it's great to have free range, pasture range, all that sort of stuff, which is at higher end of the market. But we still have to have the ability to produce enough food to feed everyone. So that's a fine balancing act and good article. I'd never heard about the Sri Lankan experiment until your article, uh, which I haven't actually read in its entirety. Well, they went from but, a net, uh, they were so a net exporter, but now they are, yeah, the poor buggers are starving. So. And the Dutch at the moment are resisting going down the same road. Is it a similar story with the Dutch at the moment? I saw a story on Facebook today. They've got tractor blockades everywhere. Tractors, trucks have blocked roads off left, right and centre. We're talking thousands of farmers have brought their equipment out and they're blocking off roads because they're trying to ban... Glyphosate? No, cattle. Oh, Oh, okay. Because of the... Because of the 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 emissions. And the the, the nitrogen. Yeah. 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 Yep, so, uh, yeah, there's big moves in in Dutchland at the moment to, uh, yeah, stop farmers from actually farming. Yeah, well, in New Zealand, I mean... The Jacinta Ardern government, and she, you know, everyone adores her on the world stage, but they, out of the blue, they brought in a law that they to ban farrowing crates and change a lot of stuff, yep. you know, regulations in the pig, in, pig industry, which will absolutely decimate their pig industry. Uh, they've got a two-year sort of grace period where they're going to try and sort it out, and but but they won't be able to. That'll, yeah. that'll just decimate that, and uh, all for the green vote. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Be... be be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you say that she's a daughter around the globe. I've only spoken to one New Zealander and we did somehow get onto politics and, uh, yeah, he said she's nothing but a <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, she, I'm one for one for New Zealanders. Yeah. She does, yeah, she's not rated that highly by everybody. Anything else you wanted to say? Ah, not really. It's your last chance. Last chance. Nah. Um, enjoy the podcast. And uh, um, just for any young farmers out there, um, just if you're going to farm, you, you really have to have a passion for it. Uh, but make sure it doesn't become all-consuming because it's easy just to work, work, work. Make sure one of the big things of mental health these days, they talk about a work-life balance. So just make sure you keep that work-life balance. And, um, yeah, enjoy. 
plug that uh, plug your business again where we can uh, go okay. online and, uh, and buy some fresh meat just uh, green slate chickens is our name and a lot of lot of quality butcher shops in adelaide and um, you can always ring me direct as well yep beautiful thank you very much matthew and yeah thank you matthew parker wind rowing give myself a plug and Why not? ag recycling oh they don't do much the drum master Guru Swami bugger off I'm alright Jack rest of you <laughs> no, yeah right. no, thank you no, no, it's we, should, uh, we should try and do this again yeah. some stage Andrew rather than waiting eight months let's I think so. see if we can do one a little bit sooner than that yep thanks Noel thanks Matthew no thanks for having me guys yeah. Yeah. thanks boys catch ya cheers